Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is my dear, dear friend, Donna Roggio. She is the beauty business coach, and she is making waves in the industry after coming off of a very long time owning a salon and bringing us all of her pearls of wisdom on what to do and what not to do. So I am so excited that she is here today. Donna, welcome to the podcast. Elaine, thank you. It's a long time coming, huh? Absolutely. We did one before and I wanted to update everyone on what you're up to. When we got together on the last episode, we were both in Ibiza, which was, you are a wonderful host. You spoiled me rotten and I've enjoyed every second of it. And we were both kind of equally at this, where do we go from here? You know, the industry has changed so much. How can we take our collective experience and kind of make a difference in the industry. So you have been very busy and um, had a lot of changes recently. And I wanted you to share that with our listeners, you know, instead of um, being paralyzed by COVID and how difficult it has been, instead you put all your energy into what can I do to, to start the new year off and help other people. Yeah, so I guess that one of the most valuable lessons that I learned uh, went before I opened my first salon. I met a guy on my honeymoon and he he was a financial advisor and he had said to me at this time, um, I think that you should open a salon and I was working for someone. I'll bring it back full circle. But he said, you should definitely open a salon. It's such a great industry. And I said, but you're a financial advisor. Why are you telling me this? If I have money, wouldn't you want to invest this for me? And he gave me this great advice and that was to invest in myself. And I did that and I did that for 19 years. I kept reinvesting. And then after COVID, I was stuck in a visa, stuck, I was so stuck in a visa. So stuck in a visa (laughs) for five and a half months, probably one of the best times of my life that I've ever enjoyed, really shutting it down. And then I came back here in September and I was like, okay, now I'm here, the border is shut. What can I do? you know, where am I going? Am I going to try and get back to a visa? You know, what is my situation now? And I decided to reinvest in myself again as, as a, as a coach getting wider out there um, to a larger scale of a community to help more people that aren't just local within my driving space of where I live here in the U S and thanks to you and Bryn for coming out and giving me the basics, overwhelming me with the basics, I have decided to fully invest back in the beauty business coach and build a course online and build a team again and build a location again and all the things that we do as salon owners. So this is where I am. I'm looking for a location to have my office and I have people working with the company, California, still in Ibiza. Um, And then here locally, I have two team members as well. So- That's amazing. I think once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur, it's so hard to turn it off. You know, I I had seen everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of my peers were just frozen in fear. You know, it was 
They were told they couldn't open their salons and our identity is so tied to our being salon owners and doing, 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 doing. And when someone says, okay, stop, don't do anything. You can't do anything. You know, people started getting into, you know, being that couch potato going from one Netflix series to the other, where I was like, God, I'm home and all these great hairdressers are home. Let's do a pop-up education day. And and I had 2,500 people sign up for this free pop-up because everybody was so, what do we do? How do do we entertain ourselves? So when I look back at the last year, I almost have survivor guilt because I had an amazing year of connection. So did you. Like you and I both were just connecting with people. How can we help? And I think it's like anything else. It's, It's your attitude and your perception. You know, for me, I was like, I need to be told by the, by the entire globe to just stop (laughs) because I won't stop otherwise. But you (laughs) probably ran harder and faster than most of the people on the globe. And I commend you for this because you took this opportunity. And, you know, one of the most beautiful things about right now is the ability to connect with people that we could otherwise, everybody's busy, you're doing this, you're doing that. It's really hard. You would send an email to somebody, you would never hear back from them. It seems like right now is like, there's two things. Like right now is that idle time that you can really connect with almost anybody in our industry. We're all open and it's not competition anymore. Now it's like, we're all a tribe together. And this is a beautiful thing, supporting each other, reaching out for help. I mean, I see it in all the support groups on Facebook, the, the amount of camaraderie that there is right now. I've never seen this in the industry. And you know, you and I have been in it 35 years, at least you're maybe longer, I don't know. But so this is the one part, but the second part of this, which I think is amazing that you did, you know, creating this pop-up thing online and things, this is the time if you're shut down, this is a time we don't get. There's so much we can do in this time to progress us like leaps forward that we just, we might not have the time again. So at this time of all times, it's like when you can really get things systematic, organized, figured out so that when you really launch back into the industry again, I mean, that's like, this is such a gift. You know, I remember talking to one of my clients you know, during COVID and I was in, in Ibiza at the time and I was calling and checking in on my clients. How, how's everything going? What's going on? What does it look like for you? She's like, I am going out of my mind. I, 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 I don't even know what to do with myself. Like I literally don't know what to do with myself. And I said, well, I know what to do with you. <laughs> you know, like now is the time. Do the inventory system that you were talking about all this time. Nobody's in the salon. Nothing is going in or out. You don't have to do it on a Monday. You can get your entire break room you know, your supply room cleaned out and organized, pack up the stuff you don't use anymore. And I I mean, I just see this as a gift. This is when you have the time to think about your commission structure and what is working for you. You have time to do your schedules, you know, your time blocking and productivity things on on your schedule formats. And I just see this as like a gift. And I just wish that every salon owner and every stylist would would kind of embrace that because it is gonna go back. We are gonna get busy again. We're gonna go into that mode again no doubt, you know, sooner than later. So it's like at this moment, you know, educate yourself, follow through with some of the things you haven't followed through with, or those things that were always on that checklist that you didn't want to do. This is the time. It's really cool. That's the perfect segue into my next question for you. And and I already know the answer, but I want you to share it with people listening is what you feel has been 
your absolute keys to your success. I know from my own perspective, systems for you, you know, you were the person that taught me how to finally even implement uh, a handbook. You know, most salons are started by, you know, um, Michael Gerber says, uh, someone who opens their own business is someone having an entrepreneurial seizure. Like you have a moment where you're like, I'm so good at this task that I should be the boss, but you never are taught how to be the boss. So we then go in and we're always the busiest stylist behind the chair and we don't take the time to set up systems. And then before you know it, you have all these employees and no systems and it's all hell's breaking loose and everybody's miserable. And the owner's like so flat out miserable. They don't even know where to begin where you always were very structured and systematic. And I, no. I, that would be my answer for you, that that set you apart and, and really, you know, catapulted your success because you were so organized. Yeah. So I wasn't always, you know, it, it's a progression for sure. Anything that I had as a system, it was created out of a need. So I guess, you know, I would love if you can prompt me too, as I go through this, because I, I want to make sure that I really hit the valid points. To, to bring it to your guests, your audience, so that they can have takeaways after this too, and not just me telling my story. I think it's important that they can kind of grasp onto some of these things. But um, yeah, so, you know, I owned my salon for 19 years. I opened in 1998. And I'll just give like a brief summary of the salons that I owned and kind of where, where it was. And then you can kind of prompt me to ask further questions around it if you don't mind. So when I opened my salon, it was myself. I was 27 years old. I felt like I was late opening a salon. I should have done that like four or five years earlier. And I opened with me and one other person. And how I opened that was uh, I found a location that I wanted. And I opened this with me and, and one other girl that was basically my assistant. But she was ready to do hair. So it was me and her. So we had opened the salon. And it was an amazing three years in this space. Uh, growing. It, it grew to 18 employees over a three-year period. I think I saved almost $85,000 in cash in this three-year period from some of the systems that I did. And when I say cash, I don't mean illegal cash. It was legal. I just saved it, you know, kind of situation. I always believed in paying my team well um, and still being fair back to the business. I thought that this was super important as well, you know, um, so then from this point, I opened a second location, closed the first at the same time I had my daughter. So it was great because I had a maternity leave that I could just work straight through in the new location. And I took on a 4,300 square foot space and literally went from 18 employees to 52 overnight. So this is where this is that struggle that you were talking about in the beginning, these systems. You know, when I had 18 people, you know, half of them were support staff, half of them were service providers, and it was just hair. It was really simple in a boutique as well, but it was pretty simple in my eyes in comparison with then going into a 4,300 square foot space. And, um, and then what started to happen was I was like, okay, with my own personality and the way that I am, I'm a list maker, I'm an organizer, I need to see things really clearly. So I always carried around a notebook. I was always jotting things down, what I liked, what I didn't like. And um, from this point, when you go to 52 people, if you don't have a system, you're, you're flying hard. And I guess it took me, you know, it took me about two years to really get down like my onboarding processes, like what hiring looked like, what recruiting looked like, what onboarding looked like, uh, what my education calendar looked like. 
it was a 14 chair salon, you know, what schedules look like? Like, how do you put people in and out of the chair that there's no conflict with your, with your clients and things. And then, and then it got to the point that I was doing really well as a salon from a service sales. And I don't remember the exact number, but it was somewhere around like 1.5, something like this. Um, and also to stress at this point, I was doing hair, I think four days a month. I really backed away from my chair. I wanted, you know, 52 people. I didn't have time to be behind my chair. That was not an option. It's also not what I'm super passionate about. I'm really passionate about the business aspect of it, but um, working four days behind my chair, the rest of my time was geared towards how do I build my team? How do you bring everything that I've done up to this point and now just build my team? So, you know, every new client that called the salon from the moment we opened, they all went out to the team. I didn't take new clients. I just thought this was, you know, I'm not trying to grow me. I'm trying to grow, you know, my salon. So it was, I guess, a couple years in that I really felt like at doing 1.5 and going to a lot of seminars and going to try to understand as an autodidact, trying to learn everything, you know, we both try and learn everything, right? That there is to learn about our industry. And one of the things that happened was, you know, now remember I had Will, the guy that I met for my honeymoon, who's this financial advisor telling me to invest in myself. And now I've invested in myself in the second salon. And I'm like, okay, now I'm doing this like seven years and I'm still just making okay money, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing 1.5 in sales for the salon and, and I'm making six figures. So that's like less than 10%. Does this even make sense? Like, am I really investing in myself at this point or should I be putting my money in, in something else? I mean, 10% I can make in the stock market, right? So I'm like, all right, this isn't working. And the way that I figured it out was, you know, as an owner, what are we doing? What are we avoiding, I should say? And my avoidance was the fear of my money. So the fear of my money was understanding it. I had a bookkeeper charging me 20 grand, 20 grand a year. I had an accountant doing my tax return. I had, you know, everybody doing everything for me for the salon because I felt like I didn't have time to do anything. You know, I was at everybody else's disposal kind of thing, just crazy. So it was at this point that I said to myself, until I really understand my money, I don't really understand my business and I'm not really in business. This is really just a hobby that keeps me really busy really satisfied watching other people and, and, and building their career path and them making six figures, no problem. This was all great. But I was like, at the end of the day, now I have a child, I have this, I have that, what is the payoff? So it was this point that my life really transitioned, you know, going from making just six figures to really, really earning the income that I thought that was deserved for a salon owner. And I didn't change that the staff should make money I just readjusted the way I spent my money and what was a priority for me. So I would say that that was the biggest shift is taking it back on and creating every system around my cash flow and me being the one to pay my bills. And this made all the difference in the world. So I guess like ask me some things from that and I'll try and Well, we, we started um, chatting before we hit record about um, the ego. What happens is when you're the owner and you're busy being busy, you realize that you're really not being paid the amount that you would have thought you would have been for the amount of work you're putting into it. 
And then you start, you start with the I deserves and you go to the dealership and you buy like the hot new car and the, the great new handbag. And you look so successful when you show up for those business workshops that you and I used to spend weekends together at trying to soak up everything that somebody was teaching us from the stage on how we can actually do better and know better. And you're driving home in this beautiful car, realizing you have no business driving it because you really can't afford it. And now you're a slave to doing what you don't want to do to pay for what you don't deserve to have. And it's this big cycle of insanity because you just keep not understanding those numbers, you know, and, and not being able to be smart about, you know, how to spend less and how to be leaner and leave more room for profit. And and I love that you said, I never wanted my um, organization to involve my staff earning less. And that was always an issue for me. You know, everyone who worked with me, had the best job on earth. I was like, I make it so you would never even think about working somewhere else. Cause why would you, they all had their own key. They all have made their own schedules. If their child had an event at school, don't even ask me, just block yourself off. Family work balance is super important, but giving all of that leaves big holes in the income as well, because they start to, Oh, I can take off whenever I want. So I don't want to work here and I don't want to work there. And then all of a sudden Now you're like, okay, now I'm really working free. So I think you were really smart to realize, and it's not for everyone. Let's face it. Most people open salons because they absolutely love being a hairdresser and they just don't want to have to answer to someone. They want the autonomy of having their own business. So when you tell most owners, I would say, I don't know with your coaching business, if you find it, but I know in my circles, people say, I don't want to step away from behind the chair an extra day to do the paperwork and the stuff that I hate doing. But because the systems aren't already in place, even with them working behind the chair, they don't have the extra income to pay someone to worry about the numbers. So it just becomes this massive hamster wheel is what I'm seeing in the industry. And then people just get to the point of complete and total burnout and close. And that's what's happening now. So in this case, and I'm going to, kind of talk to the numbers and this this thing around the numbers that is so overwhelming and and who has the time to do that when you really start doing your numbers when you use a bookkeeper you're paying a lot to use a bookkeeper because very very seldom do they set everything up on auto situations for you because this is how they make their money we're hairdressers we make our money from doing service right but you know what happens is when you start taking over your books yourself and you start really streamlining them. So I can give you like a couple of things just off the bat, because hopefully this is a takeaway for somebody. You know, if you're organized with your money enough, because I like traveling as well. So if you're organized with your money enough, as an example, you put everything that you can put on a credit card in your business and knowing that you're paying it off. So it's not like I'm putting it on a credit card so that I, I can keep this balance and then go in debt even further. You know what your budget is already because you've gone through your numbers. You know what your nut is. You know what you need to make. This is the first and core thing. If you don't know what you need to earn in order to pay for your, your needs and your compensation, you don't know anything about your business, right? You're right. So after you get your systems done, like the course that I'm doing, after you get through this for three months, and you're through it, your, your bill time to literally focus on your money a month is three hours. It's an hour and a half. If you're doing two payrolls a month, it's an hour and a half, one payroll and an hour and a half, the other payroll. And the difference, I say this because some of you like, 
somebody might be like, well, that's still a lot of time. So I want to give that a ratio, an hour and a half each payroll for another 10% profit one time and another 10% profit another time. Is that really worth the three hours? Because I went from eight to 10% to 25 to 30% just from doing my own numbers. No exaggeration, open book, ask me anything you want kind of thing because it's real, you, you know? And, and what was, was the biggest disconnect that you found that you were wasting money on? Like, what would you say are the top oh three gosh. things that people have yeah. affecting their bottom line and not even realizing it? So, you know, this is, this is back, you know, I sold the salon three and a half years ago and this is going back probably eight years before that, that I took it, took this project on of really understanding my numbers. And um, I think the biggest thing was like, how many, how, first of all, how many people were in my pocket, you know, as you start to break down your expenses and you're like, why am I paying so much for my cleaning at the salon? Why am I paying so much for a bookkeeper at the salon? $20,000 a year. That's a ton of money just to pay my bills. Like that could be in my pocket, 20 grand. And then I'd see you know, magazine subscriptions that they just keep billing you. And it was like a fake bill. But if a bookkeeper mm -hmm. is doing it, they're just paying your bills. That's what they're supposed to do. Right. And I was like, why am I paying $130 a month for magazines? Like seriously. And they're not even coming. We're always, you know, like something so simple. I mean, now we don't really get magazines anymore. Everybody's on their phone, but this was like an aha moment. Um, obviously when you start really looking through your credit card statement, you know, you start seeing those like little things like the memberships, the subscriptions, um, you start realizing the comparison between support staff versus service providers. So then you start getting into your schedule as an example and say, okay, if there's four hairdressers on the floor, I need one receptionist. As soon as we get to five, I need a second receptionist. So this was a constant flow of a system that was created. How many stylists are on? How many receptionists do we need? How many assistants do we need? How many shampoo people do we need? And this cut back it didn't necessarily take anything out of their pocket. I just wouldn't schedule them if it wasn't needed. So it wasn't just this assumed responsibility of payroll, you know, kind of thing. So that was a really big one. Um, you know, I do want to say that I paid my, my team. I did a sliding scale of commission. So everything was always incentivized. So I did sliding scale of commission and this was between 40 and 60% and it was achievable at 60%. Um, Man, I still made 25%. So all the things that I feel like we go to and they're like, no, you can't pay your stylist over 40%. You can't afford to do this. I think that when there's a will, there's a way. And when you analyze things and you really get into things, you see what your priorities are. And my priority was always my team. It wasn't paying everybody outside of my salon to do things. It was paying the people inside my salon to do the things that they were doing and working hard. You know, does that make sense? Now, recently you sold your business, which I tell you all the time, you are the only living creature that I've ever heard do that successfully. Um, it's so difficult to find that right buyer. Um, and they took over, you had all the systems in place, you had the staff stayed on and trusted, which is amazing. So that just proves the trust factor that your staff had in you. Um, but recently, you know, with all the advent of all the solo suites and everything, things changed. And we talked about the missing X factor was the things that you would think that employees hate it about your structure and systems is the very thing that made the salon successful. So, yeah. so share that, you know, disconnect as far as what, what went wrong there in the change of hands. Um, 
there was a per first part of that that I wanted to speak to. You said about selling. How it. difficult it is to sell. Yeah. Well, I want to. So yeah, let me talk about that first because I think that that's more more important because I think there are people out there that would really like to sell their salon and maybe not now, but maybe at some point. So the advice that I would give in this scenario is, you know, because I got so involved in my numbers so long ago. When I decided I wanted to sell my salon, I gave a five-year plan to my team. So can I talk about my traveling a little bit and like my yeah, experience? Yeah. All right. So, cause I think it's valuable. So I decided when I turned 40 and I'm 49 now, I decided when I was 40, I went on a trip and I loved Europe and this was a priority for me. So I really wanted to travel a lot. So the week that I had my daughter, I was in the US and the week that I didn't have my daughter, I was traveling all over Europe, which you know, from, from our friendship. But um, so what happened at this time, the foundation of what happened at this time when you're stepping away from your salon and you think that you have, you need to be there to control everything and keep everything running and they need a babysitter and they need all these things. I've never had a manager at my salon. You know, I tried team leaders for like a leader for shampoo and a leader for stylus and a leader for this. And that's all good but I've never had a manager for the salon. And I think that this is a key driver in the success, both of why I kept it when I was traveling for eight months out of the year for the last, I don't know, six, seven years I owned the business. I was literally out of the company in the, in the year, eight months out of the company. And when I went away, I wasn't calling in and checking in and seeing how things were going. Trust me, I was away. When I was away, I was away. But when I was there, you know, I put my, I put my effort in. I connected with the team again. I had my team meetings. I did the things that were really important from a communication standpoint, but my systems were in place. So I think that this is huge in a couple of things. The, the monetary system, yes, this is in place. So I know what I can afford. Then it comes the system of like, who's supposed to do what, when, and where, and how. And, and when you have these things in, a, in, in order as well, the team becomes part of that culture. It's no longer you're managing people. I'm not managing you're people. Managing right? And you weren't yeah. managing people. We're managing the system. So like if there's a shortcoming, okay, then we need to add a system, change a system, alter a system. So I'm saying all this because when I sold the salon, the thing that sold my salon was all my systems. I mean, so, so what happened was I gave my team a five-year warning. So it was ending in May of 2020 when my daughter graduated. And I thought, instead of me sitting here with you on a podcast, I would now be living in Ibiza, baby, full time. <laughs> so things have changed and I'm here and I'm loving it. But um, at that time, you know, five years before I had said to my team, listen, I'm really on my way out. I know that everybody needs a leader. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs somebody that cares. And it's not that I don't care. My life has just shifted. I've been in the industry a long time. So my life has just shifted. And they said, please, 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 like, please, 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 we'll behave, we'll behave, we'll do everything. Don't, don't close it, don't sell it, don't da, da, da. And I said, well, you have five years. So hopefully one of you in five years can buy this. And if not, I'm literally shutting the doors. Like that's where I'm at. So now I have to stop you there because anyone yeah. listening is going to have heart palpitations right now and say, what if I share that transparency and honesty with my staff and it creates this, oh my gosh, she's closing. We better start looking for another job because you know how the industry can be. So were you just so at the point where you're like, it is what it is if they do that? Oh, well, like, so, how did you do that without that? Yeah, you know? we've had conversations about this through the years. So I always try and keep it real, you know, with my team. 
and you know, obviously professional, but I always try and keep everything real. So as transparent as possible so that it doesn't seem like a big burden or a big fear. You know, I'm transparent about the good things. I'm transparent about the bad things, you know, in a way that again is professional, but you know, if you have fear around your team freaking out because you're giving them something, a five-year plan for yourself, but we're encouraging our team to have five-year goals. And we're encouraging our team that if they want to open a salon one day, that you'll support them however you can. They don't have to leave on the slide. They can just come to you and communicate. And if they need help with it, I mean, this is communication. And to me, at the end of the day, life is about communication, honesty and communication. It goes back to your values. So my value is always keeping it real with the team. So I didn't have this fear. And I guess I didn't have the fear because I was also giving them a five-year warning of like, this is what's happening with the hopes that one of them would either step up or, and I said, I'll train you for the next five years. You can learn everything from me, like literally learn everything. I'll teach you, you know, and they already knew a lot because I tortured my staff, but um, they already knew a lot. So, so what ended up happening was about two years later, after I gave the team this five year warning kind of thing, two years later, um, my accountant was working with somebody else that I had referred because we refer people, right? So uh, my accountant was working with a couple that had not in the industry and uh, they were mentioning that they wanted to buy a business. And he said, well, are you nuts? Like you're friends with Donna. Donna has this killer business. You know, we were even neighbors, this killer business, you know, two seconds from your house, you should really consider it. So what happened was, you know, the, the, the benefit for me was because of all the systems that I had organized, because I was traveling out of the country, that I wasn't behind my chair full time. My business was a business with or without me. I always told my team, everybody's there, everybody's replaceable, even me. And they'd be like, mm-hmm. no, it's not. And I was like, yes, it is. So, you know, this is like going to the proof is in the pudding, right? So when I, when I showed them my business, I was very easily able to open up my payroll documents, my budget documents, my systems documents. I'm now selling a legit business. I'm not telling somebody what it's worth or that there's cash here, there's cash there. Here is full on access to everything I have. This is my sales. This is who I am. This is where we are. This is my team. And the wife was actually a client at the salon. So she knew the energy of the team and, and the culture and stuff like that. So this was, this was also a benefit, but I wouldn't have been able to sell it for the price that I sold it for um, if I didn't have this in line. So any, my advice would be anybody that thinks that they want to sell their salon, you know, eventually, not even right now, but literally the first step is your finances understanding your finances so that then you can see what your profit margin is. You know, somebody that's an investor that wants to buy your business is not, not a salon owner does not want to buy a business for 6% when they can invest in the stock market. Right. You know, they want to buy a healthy business. So this is the first thing that I think they should start with. <clears throat> so think, think about the exit strategy long before when you need to pull the, the parachute and exit yeah. for sure. Yeah. Most salon owners decide they want to sell their salon now. I want to sell exactly. it. Today. I do have a client that I've been working with for a year and a half and she's going in and out of this process of like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? And now, you know, with COVID, it's obviously a different transition too. But um, this is the first thing that I went in and I just said, let's get all your books in order. You understanding your money. And she does understand her money pretty good, but she was lacking in like the inventory system. We switched, we switched her over to a different commission scale. We did a career development plan for her team so that they have incentives quarterly 
if they meet goals that they get bonuses to and um, different things with retail products, that there's all these incentives. There's always like a go-to, there's always more to get from the company. So the company is always providing for the team, even, even shampoo, even assistants, even receptionists with six weeks on contests, six weeks off contests and stuff. So is that, is your business right now, if someone's listening and they say, oh my gosh, she is what I've been looking for. I don't even know where to begin. Um, what is it that you're offering and how can they get in touch with you for more, for more of Donna and your system? Oh, more of Donna. Okay. So, so what I'm really focused on right now, what I'm really focused on right now is the online course. So the online course is a three month course. Um, I'm doing a mini, a mini course before a mini challenge for seven days that just kind of gets you in touch with some of your money and gives you the concept of, of even just looking at it again. And I like this and I know that it'll be good for some people just to get on board for seven days of a free content thing. What I'm really passionate about is working with people. I want to bring on anywhere from four to six people into the course. So it's really intimate things between one-on-one -on -one coaching to group coaching, because we always learn more from other questions too. Um, and basically starting with all of your finances and really understanding your budget. And by the time that you're done with this, it's like clear transparency of your own business, comfort levels, decision-making. This is what I'm, this is where most of my energy is right now. And this starts, I think, February 15th. Now, would you, would you recommend that for someone who I've actually seen today a lot um, in the forums, people saying, I think I'm ready to open my own salon. And I'm like, wow, what time, you know, this oh is God. like the time you would think would be the opposite. Um, but do you think that what you're providing is better? I know it's good for everyone because I know you and I know how powerful yeah. your information is, but would you say to a new person thinking about opening a business, this is the greatest way to start? Or would you say someone who's already, you know, a few years into their business and it's just sheer chaos or both? Who, yeah, who is your target yeah. person? So two, two things, like the person that's been in business. So what I find a lot of times is somebody who, who a great client for me is somebody that has already been in business, maybe they're, they're like five, six to eight years in business and they're still at that 8% profit margin. I wanna, I wanna help them to at least double their profit by going through the course. And I know that like, as an example, um, I was working with one of my clients and we did her personal budget because she was trying to buy a house. So we did her personal budget. And then I also did a comparison for her. She was a stylist working at another salon and she wanted to see if she was a good fit to open her own salon as an example. So she was interested in going into a suite situation, but not a suite just by herself, a suite with a team, a three chair suite. So I did two things with her. I did her personal budget in an hour of doing her personal budget. I saved her $2,400 <laughs> right off the bat. And it was like silly things like, why are you paying this for your Comcast? Why are you for your internet? Why are you paying this for your cell phone? I just know that there's other deals out there that are this. And um, we got off that call and she said, I learned more from you in an hour about my personal budget than I've learned my whole life. Like I've because never seen who teaches you, even our own right. parents, technology has gotten so advanced that our own parents need us to tell them stop paying this bill and that bill, you know, yeah. it's just, it becomes this automatic 
bill that you love the convenience of an automatic billing situation, but you go in lazy mode where you don't even look it over. Thank God my husband is the numbers person and he looks because if it were up to me, we would be totally broke. I would never take the time to do it that you know that is not my forte, but it's important. It's important to know where the bleed is and how to stop it um, and how to get more more organized and, and have more profit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with, so with Michelle to, to go to her, her second half. So when I did the comparison with her, I literally side by side, this is what you are as a stylist. This is the commission that you're making. And this is what it would be. And I literally broke down a salon budget for her. So it would be the realistic expenses. Cause when you go to look at a suite, they kind of be like, look how much more money you're making. And it's not really a true, true picture, right? Exactly. It's kind of like the picture of like, let's get you in the suite. So we literally did a side by side and not everybody is a good candidate to go out on their own. There, there are some styles that are much better suited to work for somebody else in their salon, whether it's a booth rental or, or a commission salon than it is for them to go out on their own. Because if you can't get through this budget of understanding and seeing where you are, you know, this is a challenge. So, so I do like that as well. Um, and then the third caveat, what I really like in the course. So again, it's broken down into the three months and this was my go-to and I'm going to just share a couple stories around this and scenarios, if you don't mind, are we okay with time and everything? Um, we are, but we're at, um, we're at like 35 minutes. So we don't want to go too long because we, we want to be a treadmill visit. We don't want people to, to be interrupted in the middle and not finish. So, so you're they're good. working out hard today. They're walking hard. They're walking they're hard. They're working hard. <laughs> okay, great. There's, I'm talk, sweating because I'll you're talk talking about money. They're sweating. I already do. <laughs> All right. So this is my favorite part of it. And this was the system that I created for myself and that I've created for other salons that I've worked with. And it's called a triple check system. So this is the caveat. And I did this with Bryn before and we created this. I don't know if you launched it, where you launched it, but this is the caveat of all caveats that is just not out there in the market. We have POS. Sometimes we have a bookkeeper or we do our QuickBooks. And there's this like middle section of Kush that we're missing shit. Oh, we're missing That's stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you say that too. All right. Great. <laughs> but there's this middle section that we're missing stuff. So I'll give you an example. I went in and met with a client. I don't know if I told this on the last one. So forgive me if they've already heard it, but I went into a salon and when I meet with an owner, the first time I do a full assessment, it takes me about an hour and a half and it's a lot of questions, but it's just a lot of listening for me. It's trying to find out where somebody is. And right off the bat, when I met the salon and we were going over some of their numbers and their sales, I knew that there was a shortage. Something was going on with their gift certificates. I just saw it clearly. And within two weeks, her right-hand girl quit, um, quit the salon, still not getting me the reports that I needed. And it ends up that she's probably upwards of like 150 to $170,000 stolen from the salon. No shit. It was the girl that left? It was the girl that left. She was the one. So unfortunately my client, is dyslexic. So she has a really big challenge around numbers and letters. She doesn't read or write. She's super creative and super visionary, but she always has to have this person helping her with some of these systems. And now a year and a half later, she's learning it. She's totally learning it. She's in, we're finding the way we're finding the tools, wow. things that read to her, things that give her what she needs. We still have to hire out for some things that she has to do, but she has to review it. You know, but this was upwards of $150,000 in retail theft, in gift certificate theft, in cash theft, in changing transactions. I mean, like crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. 
So this triple check system is what I really love because it fixes all those things. Everything literally has to match and it's still an hour and a half. It's not like more time. It's not in addition to payroll. It's like, this is the whole thing. Your payroll goes through this and it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I really love it. So, so it can lead to a more hands-off approach because everything is being checked against yeah. everything else. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love because what, what happens is, you know, you can ignore it like me. Um, I, I've told you a million times, I'm like, hey, if I can pay my bills, I can go buy an outfit when I'm going to a wedding and not have to worry about what it costs and I can go out to dinner a couple of times, I'm successful. I'm not measuring my percentages and all that, but imagine how much more I could have been earning if I was paying attention. So I didn't have other people paying attention. I was just ignoring it altogether. So yeah. I could have been getting, you know, money embezzled and not have known it because I'm not triple checking and, it. So, and it's not always an intentional thing. There's accidents too. Like, you know, the bank messes up too. Like when we put the triple check in and they put the number that came into the, what they put in the bank and then what they got in the bank and we referenced it, it was $250 in cash, which isn't a lot. Right. But if every week they're depositing this and every week is $250 in cash, she called the bank and she said, Hey, we were short $250. And they said, Oh, we were waiting for you to call what are you waiting for me for? Like put it in my account, you right. know, like if they didn't call, where would that money have went? And all these things are just kind of figured out and it, it really makes a difference. So they're not wow. always intentional is what I mean. That's awesome. So how can people find you? Where are you going to direct? People can them? find me on my website. It's my name, donnarogio.com. Uh, they can find me on Facebook, either Donna Rogio, or they can find me as well on Facebook, the period beauty business coach. Um, Spell Rogio because I would phonetically spell it with one G and I know that there's two. So spell okay. that out for them. So, so it's D-O-N-N-A-R-O-G-G-I-O.com. So they can find me on there and sign up to take the mini strategy, take a complimentary assessment. It's a half hour assessment that I do strategy call with anybody. I just do this because I like to meet salon owners and stylists in the industry. And then um, they could also sign up for the seven day or they can have a conversation with me around the course. And what are the dates for the seven day? The seven day I think is starting on February 1st, uh, which is a Monday and it's gonna go straight through to Sunday. So Mon Sun Monday looks like an engagement. Like I'd like everybody to be there so I can kind of go over the week a lot. It's all through Facebook Live. So I'd like everybody to be there. So we all get engaged together. They can kind of hear what it is. And then throughout the week, we'll have like challenges that they can kind of see at their leisure. You know, when they get home from work or on a break, they get to check it out. And it's just kind of like these little tasks and little aha moments that everybody has to be engaged. And then on the seventh day, which is Sunday, um, this is when I kind of wrap everything up and, you know, everybody kind of has this like really powerful energetic aha moments that I know that everybody gets something out of it, that they've saved money throughout the week. They find something that they didn't know is there like a membership or, you know, all different things, but it's cool. Amazing. That's awesome. So everyone reach out to Donna, follow her on her social media, and I will be doing the seven day challenge and forcing myself into doing some numbers. I will do that only because I love you. I hate numbers, but I love you. So no, you're taking the course, you. baby. You're doing the whole course. <laughs> well, We're not thanks. getting away with the seven day. You're going oh. straight through it. <laughs> oh, I will. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and share you with my audience. Thank you everybody for listening and we will see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks, Donna. Thanks everyone. 
Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.